Hey everybody, Donnie Bovine here. Thank you so much for listening to the episodes. Do me a favor, if you get any value out of these, would you leave me a review? It would mean the world to me. I'm on a massive mission to help as many people as I possibly can get to freedom through building a business. I gotta be honest, building a business is by far the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, and I promise you, my business has worked on me more than I've ever worked on it. I don't think there's a better tool in the world to meet the dude in the mirror than building your own company. You're going to find out what the hell you're made of. In these episodes, I bring on the people that have been through it, gone through it, done it, built monstrous companies, and I get them to coach me on how to actually level up, grow, and scale my business. They're hitting me with some hard questions. They're bringing some amazing advice. And, and I'm telling you, I take notes from every one of these episodes from these people that have actually lived it. They've gone through it and have turned their businesses into amazing empires. So I hope you find a ton of value in this. And I hope that this becomes something you come back to and listen to often. Ikigai is about experiencing yourself, your true essence and your purpose and living that out in in harmony with everything that you do it was all about you know small beginnings and you know just starting with little changes and doing little things and then you know celebrating you know the, the, the successes that come from that and embracing all the positive habits i think we all strive to have some sort of self-realization we want to know the dude in the mirror but I've just found that people of extreme intellect, which I'm throwing you in that category, really struggle with the who are they as an individual side of things. All right, I practice this one. It's e key guy. What the hell is e key guy? Oh, that's awesome that you uh, you got it first time in everything. Right, uh, right. That's not not bad. He he, he told me that I couldn't call you the icky guy. So no, it's not icky. (laughs) No, that that wouldn't be the you know the ultimate branding name. No, probably not. You know, Uh, it's especially good for a marine, buddy. Right, right, yeah, right. So icky guy is uh it's a japanese combination word and and it just means life purpose and the way i define it is ikigai is about experiencing yourself your true essence and your purpose and living that out in in harmony with everything that you do you know a lot of a lot of people will talk about it from a career standpoint you'll see a a venn diagram that that shows that you know what what you're passionate about, what you're good at, what the world needs and what they're willing to pay for. And, and that's a good thing, but it doesn't encompass every aspect of your life. And so the way I teach it is that it's in harmony with whatever you're doing, whether it's, you know, I've, I've done it in my life being a disc jockey, being a jarhead, being a Marine, um, being an executive at a, at a Fortune 500 company or a eighth grade girls basketball coach. You can experience your Ikigai in whatever you're doing. Okay, so I'm hearing harmony. I'm hearing this kind of stuff. Break it down more big birds for me. So is it a lifestyle choice? Is it a a thought process? Is it a philosophy? You know, uh, or is it a tool that I put in my tool belt? Um, it's actually all those things, really. It's it's an approach. Well, that doesn't that... make it any easier. Yes, uh, the answer is, answering your question, Donnie, is yes, yes. 
narrow it down for you. Perfectly right. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, it really is an approach to life. So it's, it is finding those things that, that you enjoy, that you're, that that you're good at, that gets you jazz. So I'll give you a, a quick example from, uh, from my career. So, uh, I had been at, uh, company that I, my last company, which is very, very good company. Uh, I started a transformation program there. So I convinced this 150 year old company that they needed to change a successful, highly publicized company that they needed to change. And, uh, it was a great program. And you were working for them at the time. So you weren't a consultant or anything, right? No, no, I was from the inside. So naturally I didn't have any credibility, right? Right. (laughs) Uh, but I, I, I got them to do it because I, I'm all about helping people or companies live into what their their best self right and so we did that for a number of years and then i could start to see that uh they were tiring of it and those those kinds of programs can kind of kind of fade after a while and um uh, eventually my department was eliminated and uh, they they had another job for me uh and i looked at that and this is where where understand your ikigai and that that core sense of self and what you're what you're really into helps because they offered me a very nice job no no problem at all or I could take an early retirement and I looked at that job and I could see it would have been five or six years of just soul crushing drudgery for mm. me personally right I know that because feeling. yeah because I understood myself and my and what drove me whereas. Um, I had a, a, a peer, an executive vice president who had been at this company his entire life, and he was in this this reduction as well. And we got in the elevator and uh, I said, how are you doing? And he said, well, I don't know, because I don't even know who I am. I mean, this job has been me my whole time and, and my whole life. He kind of defined himself with his job, whereas I defined myself you know, in the sense of, of Ikigai, my, my essence and why I'm here and that kind of thing. And so... So you can see that same life experience hit me differently than it hit him. And that is part of the value of having that understanding of your Ikigai. That's fascinating. You got a, a post out on LinkedIn. It's one of my favorite ones. And if you guys aren't following David Marlowe on LinkedIn, you're really missing out. I know you got your Ikigai you know, newsletter as well, but I followed you mainly on LinkedIn. Um, but this one really hit me because it's something that I think we try and do in our company all the time. And I'm going to move a couple of your statements around to get the point across. This says a pencil is simpler. A pencil is simple. A laptop is complex. Make everything as simple as possible, but not simpler. Tell me more. Yeah. So uh, as you just said, you know, we need, we need a certain level of complexity. There are things that I can do with a laptop that I can't do with a pencil. And yet we often make things way more complex than they need to be. Right. And so the idea is make it as simple as it can be and still do the job. So I'll take uh, I'll take the transformation uh, example again. I just just shared with you the idea of, of transforming a whole company is really, really complicated. Right. I mean, that, that just blows people away. So take it down to its to its basic level. And that is that is understanding what's going on and helping make it a little better right down to uh, the way I introduced the concept was to go to, I did three small pilots in teams and these are, these are operational teams. So at our company, it was a life insurance company. They were processing uh, life insurance applications as you might assume. And so I just sat down with them and asked them, you know, what do you, what do you do? And they said, look, Dave, you seem like a nice guy. 
but we're really doing everything that can be done as well as it can be done. And we can't possibly improve anything. And so you're really wasting your time. Like, okay, well, why don't you talk to me about what you do? And so I just asked them, uh, I pointed to this one woman. I said, what, uh, what do you do in this particular part of the process? She goes, well, I make three copies of the form. I fax one, I shred two. And when the fax is confirmed, I shred the original. I said, you do what? She said, I make three copies of the form. I fax one, I shred two. And when the fax is confirmed, I shred the original. I said, say that again slower. <laughs> she got about halfway through the third time. And she's like, why am I making three copies? I'm like, I don't know. I'm the dumb guy here, right? right. <laughs> and they... They needed to make them uh, in the past, and uh, for obviously in life insurance, you have privacy issues, things. So they had to shred them, and they just sort of on the fly updated their process. And it, they were so embarrassed that they were kind of open to. It. I said, "Well, yeah, maybe that kind of tells us that there might be some other opportunities that we could do here to to make some yeah. improvements." And, and so we mapped out their whole process, and boy, it was it was like the light came on for them, right? But well, but making that concept is simple to them. Obviously that's a, that's a really fun example. And I was really lucky. I had one that obvious, right? but it's simplifying <laughs> things for them and, and making them understand what that means. Hell, hell, you, you, you cut their office supply budget by, a, by 66% in right? two minutes. <laughs> so Zig Ziglar yeah. tells the story of the cake pan that, uh, or no, it was the ham uh, every year yeah. at like Christmas time, the, the wives, his wife would cut the ends off the ham and he mm -hmm. finally asked her one day, why do you do it? He goes, I don't know. My mom always did it that way. So she goes and asks her mom and goes, mom, why do you cut the ends off the ham? She goes, I don't know. My mom always did it that way. So she went and asked grandma, you know, great grandma, I guess, maybe at this point, why she did it. And she goes, I only had a square pan. The ham would only fit in that size pan. So, but they followed it for generations to come. Like it was some sort of magic yeah. thing. And I think oftentimes we are doing steps and things because that's the way we've always done it. But we've never questioned why we've done it that way. Well, and you yeah. used a word a little bit earlier, transformation. Um, I do digital marketing when I'm not uh, hanging out with Donnie and uh, doing success champion stuff. Uh, and that term digital transformation, you know, just in general, it's so daunting for people. I, I won't even mm -hmm. use that word because it's scary. It's, they, and they think it's got to be these huge moves. We're going to do this huge, big thing. And it's going to it's going to be painful and hard. and It's not going to be fun. You did a post a, a day or so ago uh, that I absolutely loved. It was a, a process post, surprising uh, enough, <laughs> but it was all about you know small beginnings and you know just starting with little changes and doing little things and then you know celebrating you know the the, the successes that come from that and embracing all the positive habits. I, I think that's the key, and that's something we talk about a lot with our members. You know, just make a little pivot, make a little change. It doesn't have to be this this huge giant change in your lifestyle. You know, just do one thing and then tomorrow do another thing. Yeah, and I, I like the connection you made to that. To uh, There's a principle we teach uh, in Lean, but it, it works for Ikigai or, or any anything, really, uh, Kaizen. So small incremental change. And uh, the Kaizen that, that I teach takes that fear out. Because like you said, when, you, when you're facing something daunting, you, you'll just put up your walls, right? Um, or and, put off or procrastinate. Or put up. Yeah. Like, there you go. Yeah, I'll, I'll oh, take yeah. care of that tomorrow. That is a huge, that's going to take a lot of mental lifting. Uh, I will just do that tomorrow. Right. I, I do that on occasion too. It's like, oh, let's do these things instead. They look way more fun. <laughs> 
Well, it aligns really too with the the as small as or simple as possible, but no simpler too. Because what you want is you don't want this complex system. You want small working systems and complexity built on that over time, right? You've proven systems that that continue to work. You don't start with the complexity and then simplify it. You simplify it and then add levels of working, functional, tested complexity, right? So you're not tacking on a dozen processes to it. Success Champion Networking has been by far the coolest project we've ever built. You know, bringing together like-minded, badass CEOs and business owners that are rapidly growing and scaling your business. When you do networking the right way, you can't help but you know, open doors for others, help others build their businesses, and they help you build yours. You know, it's time that networking got an upgrade. And with Success Champions Networking, we've literally changed and solved the problem of what most people hate about networking. You know, no multi-level marketing, you know, no scams. You know, you've got to be a legit badass to be a part of these groups. So if you're looking to up your game, grow your business, scale and go bigger, come hang out at successchampionnetworking.com. So I'm not a process guy at all. And, and Kevin's been working on me to get, you know, adopting this whole process habit and getting into it. And I get it. I understand it. But the idea of breaking things down to a process is not something that comes naturally to me. I'm just, okay, cool. There's the hill. Take the freaking hill. I don't need to tell you how to take the damn hill. And what I found is you can't just tell a lot of people to take the hill without giving them some sort of step-by-step how to get there. So, you know, I'm a break it down to the dumbest thing possible type of guy. Like if it can be two steps, let's make it two steps. But my two steps and maybe the 20 steps that actually need to be taken, you know, aren't always interpreted. So, so how do you look at a process overall and go, okay, this is how you should give it the first run, like the first stage of it before you add the complexity to it and then make it simpler from there. Uh, something as simple as just understanding what's your starting point and what you want the end to look like. I mean, I'll, I'll take post-it notes and you can probably see right here. I've got like a million of them all around me, but, uh, I live with post-it notes. That's where earlier you mentioned the office budget was reduced by stopping the faxes. We more than made up for that with post-it notes. (laughs) Tell me it was like at least a big post-it notes, like the, you know, two foot by four foot sheet you yipped off the wall, you know? Right. Right. Um, (laughs) So, so just starting with even just that and understanding it and understanding uh, what needs to get done. I mean, I have built processes with people as well as, and, and you, you talk it through. So you, you understand the contingent elements or what you might have to correct uh, to make that work. Um, I don't know if you saw the movie founder about the, the starting of, of McDonald's. Um, no, they, uh, it's a great movie for understanding process. If you really want a, a, a cool example of the both the importance and how you can you can introduce process to just anybody i mean they the uh the mcdonald's not the yeah mcdonald's brothers right they started their thing but they were they were uh making routine the process of delivering the the hamburgers and they, i think ray crock was in uh, at that point but anyway they went to a basketball court and like mapped out and like uh what i call shakespeare they acted out what they were doing and that way they could start to see that well okay if i'm going to put the tray over here and i'm doing this then i can't have it way over there i gotta have it right here beside me because i'm going to take the 
the hamburgers off and put them on the on the buns and that kind of thing. And so uh, anything that can help you see and visualize what needs to get done and then what's the impact of doing it, right? I mean, how many times have we walked into somewhere and go, what were they thinking when they put X here or X there? Well, they weren't, they didn't map out their process, right? It's uh, like walking into a restaurant the, and you don't know, do I go to the counter to order? Do I go sit at a right. table? Do I, you, you just know that they did not think about the customer flow or journey in that conversation. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's, making it visual is a big part of it. No, I love that. Um, that's probably well, something we should do map out a little bit more, Kevin. Well, that, that Shakespearing it <laughs> is, is uh, huge, you know, I'm uh, in the military. I'm a staff officer. So I'm always, I'm the person who plans on how we're going to take the hill before we tell Donnie to go take the hill. So, and, and that Shakespearing, that concept is a huge part of our planning process. It, it happens multiple times in that program. You know, once we come up with, you know, in, before we even issue the orders, there's, we have to come up with different courses of action. And then we Shakespeare, we literally all get to map and move things around and talk about what's going to happen. And here's what I need to do. And then everyone gets to respond to that action taken by the ground forces or, or whoever. Uh, and then once the orders are, are placed, then we Shakespeare it again with all the commanders of the subordinate elements. And we do, you know, combat arms rehearsal, which is, which can take like two days if it's a complex operation. Uh, and, but so, but you know, it, it's always been amazing to me all the fine detail that we discover about our plan when we do that. You know, it's like, oh, you know, we're not going to have enough fuel for the tanks. We need to move a uh, forward refueling point up so that they can actually get fuel and, and keep keep fighting. Uh, you know, and little things that you would think they're completely obvious. But get lost when you are, you know, you're you're coming up with this big process. Yeah, and that's really the value of it. Like you said, those those visualize it and you see it, it's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Well, no, you can't possibly think of everything, right? And yeah, uh, yeah so set up systems that enable to you to get that feedback before it's urgent, like when you're trying to take the hill. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the Crap, time you want to figure it out. <laughs> Crap, we're out of fuel. Hey, do you, does anyone have any ammo? <laughs> you know, but in a corporate-like setting, you know, just building out processes and everything and trying to maintain who you are as an individual can become really difficult, especially the larger the company gets, because and let's be honest, corporate America is not the place you want to stand out and be an individualist. Most times you want to go with the flow, fit in, and you know follow the leader especially if you want to climb any sort of corporate ladder it's more about achievement than anything else so we've been talking about processes and i get it but how the hell does somebody maintain their personal integrity of who they are maybe in an ikigai method or or way when they're also trying to do things the corporate way and follow the corporate processes without losing their shit, if you will Right. Well, there's um, one of the things that I, I found effective in, in my own, and, and I was at GE at the height of GE when it was the Fortune One, and I mean, they had some very strict policies and things like that. It was understanding what the outcome was. What did what did they need? What did the even the company, even the even bureaucrats, right, have have a thing they need? They may have a rule for something that we think is silly, 
if you'll spend that time and understand, well, what is it that you actually need? What do you need to get your job done? I mean, you just need a check box. Okay. I'll fill out the form or whatever. Just don't bother me on other stuff. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, getting that understanding of the, of the need. So, uh, well, I, so I shared the other day about uh, Bob, the Bob, the bad manager on LinkedIn uh, mm-hmm. was my, uh, my, my dad, my dad's worst okay. boss he ever had, and Dan, the the dandy director, right? And and Bob was a terrible manager and just took the edicts from the people above and just put them on the on the staff. And Dan looked and went deeper. And the example I gave aligns with this really well. Uh, for Dan, that came down, and I've done this myself. That comes down with uh, budget cuts. You're going to have budget cuts, and here's the layoff package you got to get. You got to give everybody. It's like. Dan took that step back and said, well, what do you need? Do you need people laid off or do you need to save some money? Well, we need to save money. This is how we figured we'd do it. Well, if I can find a way to, to save the money, can I keep my people? And they're like, yeah. And they did. And and I found that to be true even, again, myself in in, uh, in GE or, or being proactive and thinking, thinking ahead. So, again, that was a company that every year they were going to do budget cuts and we knew that and they wanted more productivity. And so instead of waiting for someone to tell us to do, it's like, think about what would we do? And we would start with my team, January one, what are we going to do to find 10% efficiency this year that we can turn back to the company and do it by keeping the team intact and keeping our workload, you know, like human, right? Not 70, 80, 90 hours a week. And we would work on that and, and build that muscle. So that was on the team and that grew into the team so that we didn't have to respond like a lazy manager would do. A lazy manager would just go, well, I'll just get rid of three people and put all the work on the other seven. And, right. and that's that's how you can avoid yeah. that to, you know, to a degree, obviously. The other is having that sense of who you are and understanding, well, this isn't really, you know, I'm valued or, or what I value. And maybe that's not a place that you can implement that and start thinking about leaving because no job is, no job is worth, uh, I talk about an integrated self. So, uh, from an integrity and in that kind of integrated, right. And when you're not living out your Ikigai or living your, your values, you're not integrated and you're disintegrating. I mean, I think we can all relate to that feeling of, of we're doing stuff This. I don't mean I don't mean like a uh, like like stealing money for the company that not that kind of it just it's just not your values it's not the way you want to live it's not the kind of work you want to do it's not the leader you you want to be you're disintegrating a little bit every day you do that so the more aware you are of that core you know of yourself and your values the more you can say I can try and do it in this environment or it's just it's not worth it and and move on because there are mm-hmm. some that you just can't I mean just some you right you know. for sure. Sure. <laughs> right. Talk, talk to me a little bit about priming. What is it and how do we use it? Oh, yeah. So so priming at, at the definition is just just uh, sending a signal to someone uh, of what they need to do. So uh, we get we get primed with uh, uh, warning signs on the road, you know, like a curve is coming ahead and, and things like that. But in but in business, priming is a. Uh, and the, the example I gave the other day was um, uh, Ben Ben Moof Ben Moof. I might see if my Irish lips can say a Dutch name, but um, Ben Moof, <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, the bike. So they made they made bikes, the uh, uh, electric assist bikes and things with a lot of electronics in them. And 
they were getting damaged in shipping because people are like banging them around thinking they're a huffy, right? They're just a kid's bike. They're... So they primed people by putting a, a big screen TV, an outline, you know, black out of a big screen TV on the box and then putting the bike over the top of that. And people's mind, without even realizing it, thought, oh, this is a delicate electronic device. And they stopped banging it around and without <laughs> without messages, without anything. It other makes than sense. You see a big box priming, with right? a... Right. You see a big box with a TV on it. You're going to handle it a hell of a lot more careful than you would, you know, a bike. So, so they used a TV to prime your mind, make you think that, you know, there was a TV in a box versus a bike. How Mm -hmm. do we use that? Where, where, and how do we prime and what should we prime in our businesses? So, uh, uh, as an example, if you make a web page, you want to you want to make sure your upper left they, they call it the the F mode and uh, make sure I say that right <laughs> the F screen. <laughs> it's an F shape is how people scan a uh, scan a, a website. So you start at that down and over and less and less on the right hand corner. So you prime them by putting the key things that you want them to see in the upper left hand corner, right? Um, and that way. Uh, they'll go to the most important thing. You don't have to tell them. You make it. You make it visual. You make it easy. Um, we used to do stuff in the Marine Corps uh, to prime ourselves, right? Without without telling, like uh, the equipment I worked on. I worked on uh, F4 Phantoms, um, and uh, the electronic countermeasures. What I did was radar and radar jamming. So radar signals are very strong. Radar receive signals are very faint. So if you would mix up the wiring and put the, the receive signal into the, or the uh, transmit signal into the receiver, you'd blow up the circuit, right? And we're talking about Marines here. So we need to be very, very straightforward. And um, color coded, right? There, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there were 48 connectors on the box that I worked on. Every one of them was different. There was no way that even a Marine could put the wrong one on because they were each one different, different shape, different color. And they could only go on one way. And so that game uh, I grew up as a kid with the, the, you put the little squares and X's in the box and you don't get it in time. Everything explodes that kind of thing. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. 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 So there's, there's opportunities like that though, to tell your customer what you, what you want them to do to make your, your uh, web pages easy to work on, to make the, you you said you talked earlier about, you know, where do I go? What do I do? making those pathways obvious and wayfinding. So wayfinding indicators. Um, the other is you can use them for, for visual management. So I had a, um, uh, I ran the, the project, uh, all the IT projects for, for a company at one point in time. And it was like, we got, we had $300 million that we had, we wanted in projects and we were going to get 30 million, something like that. Right. And so we had 40 managers all wanting their project done and we had to winnow that down. Well, we took this really good process and, and did it and, and got what we thought was the top priority ones. And I take it to the to the uh, a CIO and, and he's like, well, how do I know you took the time to do this? And so I went back and I redid the chart and I showed the a block and I had the listed the, the number of projects and the dollar amount and then another block. And then I put dates on there and then I put a nice little triangle that showed 300 million down to 30 million. And that's all I changed on it. Same information, otherwise handed it to him. Just, oh, I get it now, because I was I was showing him 
okay, we started with this much and now we have this much and we did it over this period of time in these dates without any additional dialogue. When you can prime something for somebody to say, this is how you read this thing. It makes it so easy for them to do their job. And if you can incorporate those kinds of things into your products, into your processes, it streamlines the, the thought, the thinking, the asking, the, oh my gosh, we got to have the do not push this button signs, right? It's like, well, let's make it so they can't push the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I mean, Kevin will tell you that often he will show me visuals to get me to see what he needs to see. I'm a highly visual person. So, mm -hmm. so that makes sense to me. So should somebody map out the customer journey, if you will, of whether how they're going to flow through their website or maybe the sales process and then figure out specifically where should we prime them to go? Am I saying that correctly? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a so that's almost a step back even from what we were talking about earlier about the make it as simple as possible. Understanding just what's the experience, what are they going through and what, what are we doing? I, I remember we were doing a, a journey map uh, with a disability insurance team and, and they were, they were talking about, well, they just got to fill out this form and this form, and then they send this here, they check this box and they're telling me all this stuff. I said, okay, let me just take a step back here for a second. So let's just imagine that the person who's filing this disability claim is disabled in such a way that they're in a full body cast. Now, how are they doing this form? And how are they sending this in? And how are they checking this box? And the guy goes like, I never thought about that. I'm like, these are disabled people. There's a reason why they need this insurance payment, right? So think about what are they experiencing? They don't may not have access to the internet. They may not have access to the forums, whatever. It may be a caretaker doing it for them because they're incapacitated completely. So getting that, that understanding, first of all, just what are they experiencing? And then how might we make it you know easier for them david you fascinate me and here's why you're you're very much a process guy you're kind of a systems guy you're very much in this analyzing and then you talk about things like doing deep work and you talk about things about like personal transformation and things like that those two worlds don't usually collide how does a guy who's process oriented freaking like you are all of a sudden get over almost into this hippy dippy world of self-transformation <laughs> and stuff. I mean, and I don't mean to bust people's chops. Like I'm saying, it's a bad thing. It's just, it's blown me away that you would go to that level when people that are typically so logical in nature can't make that, that conversion over. Help me out here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't you think your average Marine Corps sergeant is just like a hippy dippy, easygoing guy? Yeah, but that's because we're freaking knuckle draggers <laughs> that we don't think, right? We just go and, and it yeah. works. I mean, I think we all strive to have some sort of self-realization. We want to know the dude in the mirror. Mm -hmm. But I've just found that people of extreme intellect, which I'm throwing you in that category, really struggle with the who are they as an individual side of things. So this really yeah. fascinates me that you're able to do this. I oh, appreciate your kind words. And it, it is a, it is a, I'll say a combination of the exposure I've had from a, from a skills standpoint. So I've been introduced to, to lean and six Sigma. Well, actually process even way back uh, radio days. I mean, people think you get on the radio and you just go, Hey, how's it going this morning? Here's a, here's the latest uh, record that I'm going to play for you. It's no, there's a scheduled time. I mean, right down to, you couldn't play a certain type of record out of the news. It had to be 
certain variety had to be so long. You had to hit your commercial break at seven and a half minutes because a half hour, quarter hour, half of a quarter hour got you the full credit in the ratings thing. I mean, this is uh, in the seventies and eighties and I still remember it. That's how processed it was. <laughs> and uh, you had, that you had things that me. you, yeah. So a lot of process. And of course the, of course the Marine Corps and things, but then, um, I mean, I, I think some of it is to the, uh, the, the double braided, you know, Marine Corps leadership principle, right. That we had to, we had to think about two things, not just mission accomplishment, the welfare of the troops, and they were co-equal. And if we thought only about the welfare of the troops, we would never take the hill, right. We'd risk, we'd be right. risking the, yes. but if we all, uh, but if we only thought about the hill, we'd unnecessarily risk our people. And so that early exposure to, you know, both sides, right? You've got to get this stuff done. And there might be a better way to do it. Um, and I know, I know what you guys experienced, but I'm, I imagine it's similar is there just wasn't room for excuses either. It's like, okay, we got to figure this out. It's like, well, they didn't get this or that here. And I mean, I, if I had a dime for every time a staff NCO said to me, and and here are the three things I'm going to do to see what I can do to fix it. <laughs> right. Um, and then, then add in the, the elements, like you said, of, of, you know, self personal self-reflection and understanding that true transformation. And, and that is a loaded, loaded word. You're right, right there. Um, <laughs> but true transformation takes more than just, you know, rigid process or, or just hippy dippy stuff. I mean, it, it, it's got to be a combination of both. You've got to invest, you know, in both things in order to make it, you know, to make it work. Um, and that goes, and that's what I love about it. You can apply this to your you individually. You can apply it to product development. You can apply it to service. You can apply it to just running a business, uh, running a family. It's that whole spectrum, though. You've got to think about all of those things. It's not just process, or it's not just you know caring about. Uh, the experience and how people feel and that kind of thing. It's all of that. God, this plays into one of your other quotes on here. It says, don't be too certain in your doubts or your beliefs that you <laughs> oh, yeah. don't spend at least a little time challenging them. So, I mean, tell me more because I, I the quote above it by Henry Poincaré, I, I probably screwed his name all the hell. <laughs> Um, but his quote above that is to doubt everything or to believe everything are two equally convenient solutions, both dispense with necessity of reflection. Yeah, Tell me more yeah. about that. Cause I think that's a lot of what you're talking about now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's not that you, it's not that you never, you know, stop and, and try something, or, but just understand you, you may or may not have the right answer. And, and the example I was giving was, um, you know, all the people, all the people are sure they had their bracket right the other day, right? And uh, uh, within, uh, I think it was just one day, there were only 15 of the two to the 20 million ESPN brackets. So people that officially go on and log in. And so that's a, that's a traceable pile of, of, uh, of records, right? Only 15. All these expansion gurus. Yeah. It was like 15. Right. Were, right. Were still perfect. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, it, a big part of, of leadership and, and life is, is a bit of humility and curiosity. And, and by that, I mean, just be open to the idea that you may or may not be right, or there may or may be a better way to do it. And you operate with certain assumptions and you, and you certainly try things and you experiment and you learn. 
that's the process, right? It's not that, okay, I, I've got the answer and I'm going forward with it. Uh, and especially as a leader, you've got to be open to understanding, you know, do your people have a different idea? Is there an insight? Um, take the, uh, you know, take the disability example. I mean, there was, there were people that were certain that was the process and that's what it had to be. And they were executing on it. Yeah. Okay. I'm all for execution. We got to execute or we won't stay in business. Let's take that step back and say, are we doing it the right way? And are we doing it for the right reasons and doing what we say we want to get done? That's huge. So did this way of thinking for you come about after years of working in corporate America and contemplation after the Marine Corps, all of that? Um, or has this something you've been working on for quite a while? Because I'm really fascinated that someone like you, and I don't mean that in a negative manner, um, really thinks about this kind of stuff. Because like I said, it does blow me away that because most people don't think this way naturally especially when they're mm -hmm. in the more process intellectual way. So is this something you've been working on for a while or is this something you're like stumbled across and you made an ultimate decision right then and there that boom, this is what you're going to do. It's definitely been an evolution. Um, I'll give you a, a quick example. You'll kick out of this. So uh, we, we have our grandkids over a couple times a week. Uh, and my grandson is right-handed, but he, but he eats sometimes left-handed. And I said to my wife, like, you know, Easton's his name. Easton eats, eats left-handed sometimes. Don't you find that interesting? She goes, no, I don't find that interesting. I just want him to eat. You find that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And then, so, so now you know what my wife deals with like all the time. Right. No, no, I don't find that interesting. Just what I've done. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a, you know, an evolution over time and, and, and you know, personal growth as well as, as learning. I mean, I think when, uh, when I was introduced, I, I studied design at, at Cornell. And when I got introduced to that concept of design thinking and looking at things deeper at the human-centered part of that design, is like, oh, this is the finish. This is the connecting point to all these other things. It's not just this. Instead of this, it's this complements the Six Sigma, the lean, the, the process, and all of that kind of comes together. Hmm. One of the things you talk about on LinkedIn that I, I absolutely love and, and, and I want to learn more about and figure out how I do it in my world is that concept of deep work and monotasking. You know, Donnie and I both uh, run multiple companies, uh, multiple clients, every, multiple demands on our time and our attention, you know, email, texting, everything is constantly going off. So this concept of monotasking and being able to really focus on one demanding task at a time is, is really interesting to me as opposed to the, the common uh, concept, which is multitask. And you have 25 different tabs open on your computer, uh, <laughs> yeah. which may or may not be a thing on my desktop right now. Uh, and, and, it's a thing. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's totally a thing uh, in like four different windows. So tell us more about that. How do you how do you make that transition from, you know, having everything open all the time to really being able to focus on that one one powerful thing at a time and, and then moving on to the next one? Sure. For, the first thing is to recognize that multitasking is, is a failed practice. I mean, we all thought, I mean, you know, I'm Dave, I'm a recovering multitasker. I, mean, I get it. Right. <laughs> Um, because we, we were kind of primed 
for for that behavior. We thought that was doing it. And we thought, well, we're getting all this stuff done. And what studies have shown is that each time we we task switch, we lose, right? So we're we're moving along, we're getting something done. We lose attention, we lose focus, we lose momentum. And then it's that much longer to get back. And the more you switch, the more loss there is in each of those. They begin to kind of multiply and replicate through all of your steps. And so just even understanding that and the interrupts that we have that are built in, like you said, the notifications and, and just stop. I mean, there's something every day I get on, I get on my, uh, my phone to do something, to do a task and I'll get a note. Do you want to turn on notifications? And I want to go, no, I don't want to turn on notifications because <laughs> I want to be able to focus on that. Um, and, and, do that deep work where you get those those insights where you know to your, your early question Donnie, i mean that's you have to invest some deep time and some focused time to get that level of insight into what you're doing what you need to do uh, personally or, or professionally and we're just this and that and going all over the place and we're just it's every very very superficial stuff so there's an uh uh, a number of techniques, you know, that can help us. Uh, one of them that I like to share is called the Pomodoro technique, which uh, Pomodoro just means tomato. If anybody goes, oh, what, what does that mean? Tomato? Yeah, really? Yeah, it does. It's, I didn't know that's that actually the, meant tomato. I, I, yeah. I know the Pomodoro theory, but I didn't know it meant tomato. That's funny. Yeah, it's just, and because I think the guy that, that came up and I forget his name, I'd give him total credit. I, this is not me, me at all. Uh, had a tomato timer, right? Like you use in the kitchen. And that's where, it, I think that's where it came from. But 25 minutes of focused work is about what we can we can do and, and stay on and then taking a five minute break. But just doing that, I mean, like these these things right here are my savior, especially since uh, little s savior, uh, especially since uh, we're working from home, because I don't know what it is, but uh, everybody in my neighborhood has decided tree removal would be this would be a really good time for that. Right now would be a good time for tree removal. So there's there's trees. I, it's like the Lorax came through here or something. I, I don't know if there's any trees left. But turning these on and, and focusing and then setting a timer, you know, uh, I use my phone, but uh, you can use anything uh, for 25 minutes. It is amazing uh, how much work you can get done. And the quality of work is so much better. And, oh, uh, and you're relaxed and yeah. I, I do it with, with the head up my headphones or even I'll just turn on background music so I can tune out everything. But especially if I'm doing a business development activity, you know, connecting and the like, man, I can just turn on music and just completely zone out in that. And, you know, I'll have to set a timer and I do 15 minute increments. I've just found I work better in 15 minute increments, but uh, that ability to know that you're going to work into the bell um, is a really cool aspect. And you're, it's amazing how much you can get done when you know that when the bell goes off, it's like jumping off a bowl because you rolled eight seconds type thing that that, that activity is done. And, and, and you will work so much more proficient doing that. You know, it's... Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I've started playing with the focus timer on my uh, computer oh, yeah. on Windows yeah. where it'll literally, you can say, I, all right, I can get... I need 15 minutes of focus time and it'll turn off all your notifications from all your apps and you, nothing will pop up and no whistles will go off. You won't get any little pop-up screens saying Donnie's just messaged you with a whole new cool idea that he wants to fight <laughs> tomorrow. That happens often. Um, so and I've started playing with that. And it's really interesting because it is all those little communications that I think are my biggest um, 
hurdle because someone will message me. I'm like, oh, let's just take care of that now. Uh, so it doesn't go on my list and get lost in my pile of other stuff that I need to do. Uh, so then I'll just completely stop and I'll answer them again. That conversation, I'll come back. Right, now, where was I? Uh, so I, I'm really kind of actually enjoying that whole piece of not having to be connected to everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's great uh, that you're thing. using the tool too. I think that's, uh, you know, we should use those for help, you know, help helpful tools instead of yeah. creating and, the churn. Right. And I just literally kind of happened across it the other day. Cause I noticed like my notifications are off. My computer's like, yeah, it's eight o'clock at night. And so you're, we're not notifying you about stuff anymore. I'm like, what the hell? Uh, so I went in and looked and it's like, Oh, there's this whole thing where I can set up this whole, how it interacts in my world. I'm like, this is freaking awesome. So, <laughs> Um, David, on episode 133, we had Lori Seitz on. Uh, she's the owner of Zen Rabbit. And her and I had this huge debate over meditation. Um, and we get a little heated over the, the it, a little bit. Um, but she taught me something on that episode that really blew my mind. You know, I go for my morning walks. I'll turn on a podcast and I'll walk for 45 minutes. And it helps me get really, really laser focused on the business or whatever I'm trying to work on. And she looked at me and said, you realize that's meditation every time you do one of those damn walks. Uh, and then I read your freaking post that says running is meditation to me. And I wanted to punch both y'all because for me, <laughs> meditation was like that, you know, freaking cross your fingers. So, so walk me through it because I think so many people try and meditate and that's all they think about is this five minute or 10 minute Zen crap, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, how the hell is running meditation? Yeah. So if you think about just the, the idea of meditation, just focusing on being just where you are and present and the cycle of, of breathing. A lot of times people do it through, through breathing and a breathing technique to get a yoga mat. And they do speaking of priming, you get, you, you start doing your meditation on a yoga mat. You start feeling relaxed when you, you start that. I feel the same way when I lace up my shoes that's priming my mind. I'm already ready to go. Uh, and that, that release that I get, but you know, this, the cycle and, and you can do it. Uh, I do it multiple ways. I do some breathing where I'm just really aware of, of my breathing and the cycle of my feet and others. I'm just, I'm just embracing the, I happen to live out kind of in the country. And so I get, I get a view of, of wildlife now and then. And sometimes I actually had a deer like run right in front of me once. And I was like, oh, that's how zoned in I was. I didn't see an eight point buck like five feet in front of me. Just like, wow. Um, but yeah, you can do it anywhere. You can even do it, uh, it you know, driving. Uh, driving, obviously, you don't close your eyes. And you don't close your eyes when you're running. You don't need a map for, for any of that. It's, it's about being aware and being doing what you're, you're doing and being all in on doing it, uh, at the time and, and enjoy it. I don't listen to music, for example, when I run, now, a lot of people do, and that's, that's perfectly fine. I don't, cause it, it just doesn't work for me. I can't get into it. Then I'm not experiencing, uh, that meditative well, state. Lori suggested I turn off the music when I do it, but I've just yeah. found whether it's ADHD or whatever, having that distraction helps me focus because I don't have to listen mm -hmm. to the podcast, but it distracts me enough that I can think. Um, yeah. So it's just been a tool that I've yeah, used. That, that, that focus is common with a lot of sports. You know, I wrestled in college and I remember multiple matches where I was so focused on what was happening at the moment that, you know, the, the sound of the crowd was gone. 
you know, the, literally you can hear mm-hmm. like a voice. Uh, and I, for some reason, I didn't always pick the voice of my coach. That was the one that I heard, uh, <laughs> which I, I was like, how do I, how do I focus on which one I want? And so I'm not some random person yelling at me from the crowd. Um, Knowing that you, if yeah, I ever see you at a wrestling match, I'm going to be the random asshole and be like, crossbar, <laughs> kick him in the face. <laughs> so, but, you know, and I've talked to other athletes, you know, tennis players and, and different, uh, uh, competitive athletes that are, have had that same in, that experience in their sport where they're in their competition, their match, and they're just so ultra focused that everything else just kind of stops. It's like mm-hmm. those TV shows where you're doing something and like all and everything else around you just slows down. It's like everything's moving really slow while you're going through your world. And it's, you know, in, uh, until we had that conversation with Lori, there was never really any comprehension that, you know, that was, you know, you're basically meditating. Uh, it's, you know, so, you know, it's while Donnie was mad about that realization, I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> Donnie now has you to have... tell everyone that he meditates on a daily basis. There you well, go. There's just so many phrases out there and terminologies and the way things yeah. are put that when you're brought up a certain way and then they're presented, it's really hard for you to go, oh, well, that's something I'd love to do. You know, um, it just doesn't make sense. So it's it's always cool when you can find people that will put things in a frame or, if in your words, prime it in a way that we can wrap our heads around um, and, and go, oh, all right, well, that makes sense to me. So walking can be meditating, you know, those type of things. So um Always faster. Dave, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm fascinated with you in general. Um, I knew this was going to be a fun conversation. Um, I, I try and interact and engage on your content as much as possible as I, as I get there because you put out some fascinating thing, things. Um, tell people a little bit about the Daily Ikigai um, because it's a really cool thing that you do every day. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to do something creative last year. I picked, uh, I picked create as my focus word for the year and just really spurred me to do something creative, right? And, uh, and love LinkedIn and, and love the conversation there and wanted to be able to go a little deeper and, and share some things with people that, that they were asking for that really LinkedIn just didn't lend itself to. And so found, uh, found Substack and uh, what a great, great platform too. Just a terrific platform and, and they grow every day. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you on them. I just, I'm just a user, uh, but uh, love, love Substack. But what I did was just, uh, so someone asked me if I would make a calendar, an Ikigai calendar, like every day to, to get off of that. Oh, maybe I could create a virtual calendar. And so started writing something every day. And uh, that's what, uh, what daily Ikigai began. So it's something simple and, and short. Uh, I added in uh, audio. So I, now I, I read them too, because some people. Which is great. Like Cause you've got a voice for radio. Get a face for it. Too, oh, thanks. Voice is awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I got the face. Yeah. I got the face for radio. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got that in there. Good job. Good job. I did. I, did. I was waiting for that right moment. Hmm. And if, and in fact, I'll I'll share something with you that that I haven't shared uh, even uh, outside of the uh, my my Ikigai uh, community is it's going to be starting something on there called IkiQuest, and that's where I I have the daily Ikigai, and you'll be able to go every day and get you know a quick one minute read on on something. IkiQuest is going to be more about the tools, some of the stuff we talked about you know even today on how to 
how to do certain things and how to incorporate that into your life, how to incorporate it into your career. Um, because that's another thing people are asking is like, well, this, this sounds great in theory. Now, how do I do that? How do I get that into my life? Right. So it'll all be under that, that same daily, daily Ikigai uh, banner, but uh, Iki Quest, because we're all on a quest to live out our best life, right? So in EquiQuest, that you are you giving them tasks and things that they'll be doing? Is that is that what's doing happening inside the quest? Yeah, that'll okay. yeah, yeah that'll that'll bundle under like that'll be classes, that'll be meditations, that'll be uh, you know things nice. like that that will uh, will enable people to to do the practice work, if you will. Brilliant. Awesome. So how do people uh, get in touch with you? Sign up for the daily Ikigai? How do they do all that? Yeah, so they can go to dailyikigai.substack.com and you can actually directly email me through that. Spell uh, Ikigai really quick so I don't screw it up. I-K-I-G-A-I. Okay. Ikigai, yeah. Ikigai. Yeah, nothing like it's spelled, right? <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's, <laughs> Ikigai. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, Ikigai. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, um, yeah so, and then uh, otherwise you can get, you can reach me at uh, on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, I, and I would highly encourage you guys to go follow him in both places. Uh, David, it's been a lot of fun, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. And, uh, dude, keep spreading the word. You really put out some great stuff that I love following. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yet they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that, that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com, go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as Success Champions.